In many ways, it feels like AI and finance were made for each other. Machine learning and other artificial intelligence techniques make it so much easier to identify patterns that maybe wouldn't be detected by the human eye. And finance itself is so quantitative to begin with, it'd be hard for there not to be tremendous traction there. And anyone who studied the field of artificial intelligence or its history long enough knows that the finance world has invested heavily in artificial intelligence and more recently in machine learning and deep learning. The more cutting edge aspects of AI that the bigger consumer tech players, the Googles and Facebooks of the world have picked up on. This week we're joined by the CEO of Kavout, which is Alex Liu here in the Tech Emergence podcast. Alex was previously a product manager at Microsoft and a senior engineer at Google. He now serves as CEO of Kavout, who offers artificial intelligence trading applications for enterprises as well as individuals. And he speaks with us today about exactly what are those kinds of patterns that traders can now have access to in more ready form than they could without the advent of machine learning. So without further ado, machine learning in finance with Alex Luke. So Alex, first question that I think would would make sense to sort of tee up the rest of our conversation is where are the burgeoning applications of AI and machine learning for the bigger players in finance? I think certainly that the you know the Russells and the Breeze are that, you know, the hedge funds are kind of picking up on this stuff and, and certainly have been pushing the field of AI for quite some time. Maybe now we're behind some of the consumer tech folks. Where are kind of the bigger financial players beginning to leverage new AI tools? What are the, the important changes there? Yeah, actually, in the past two years, uh, we, saw, we saw lots of big financial companies coming to this space. So one, I think, is Bridgewater. They just set up one of the machine learning group to leveraging AI technology to, to mine new trading ideas. And also, we see BlackRock, they acquire Future Advisors, which is the robot advisory space. So basically, we see all these big financial companies moving into this AI space and try to build up better products to serve their customers. When you mentioned the future advisor acquisition, again, obviously that's the, the sort of the robo-advisor stuff, which BlackRock wasn't really doing beforehand. How, I mean, for Bridgewater, of course, we're not really going to get a detailed plan of how they're leveraging machine learning. The most that I would know is that maybe banks and other big financial firms might be able to detect fraud with machine yeah. learning. How, how is money management, you know, the, the trading and sort of ongoing market activity of the dollar or other currencies sort of meshing with machine learning? Is that still kind of vague as to how, let's say, Bank of America or some of these other people are, are actually using machine learning? Are they still kind of just tinkering with things or, or do we just not know? Yeah, actually... I think first for the financial industry are the banks. So they leverage the TIS models to do the consumer finance, to do credit scoring, right? To do the lending approval process. But eventually the Wall Street, when they look at AI models, they find by using machine learning, they can do the lumber crunching of millions and millions of data points in real time and capture some of the correlations like traditional TIS models could not capture. And that is actually the dollar trend to go after today. Ah, and okay. especially for the deep learning models, right? That's the new trend coming up in the last two years, which actually has been becoming very, very powerful. And you see Google's driverless cars actually also using the similar technology. So this actually gets the attention from the big boys from Wall Street. And they are trying to 
recruiting people from Google, from Microsoft, from Apple and IBM Watson to help them to build huge clusters of AI clusters to leverage this kind of technology for trading and investing today. Yeah, and it, yeah. I guess the interesting aspect of trading, and you would know this better than I, Alex, just from my you know, conversations and, and readings of, you know, folks like Ben Gertzel and some other people that are sort of in this world of cutting edge AI combined with the finance space is that unlike, let's say, e-commerce, if you're going to leverage machine learning and, and pick up on those patterns, as you had said, and make money doing it, you have to do so in the dark. In other words, we may very well know exactly what Netflix does to suggest better movies and they will still make a lot of profit next month and next year because it's certainly some kind of an edge, but it doesn't destroy their edge by us knowing, you know, they have all these other forces at play. You know, they have an active customer base, a really good marketing machine and, and the rest of that. And so people knowing exactly what they're up to, the consequences aren't that bad. If everybody knew what Ray Dalio is doing at Bridgewater, which for the folks tuned in who aren't aware, you know, the largest you know hedge fund in the world, if they knew what Ray Dalio was doing at Bridgewater and everybody who could manage their own stocks or every other hedge fund could do the same thing, of course, his value would evaporate sort of almost immediately. That does feel like maybe one of the differences in the finance space. Am I reading that wrong or is that kind of how it works here? You know, that really what's what's going to be cutting edge, what patterns will be coaxed out will very much be kept secret almost ubiquitously. Yeah, so actually that's why when you look at Wall Street, right? So in the very beginning of the last two years, only some of the very large hedge funds and financial institutions like Goldman Sachs, they are able to gather enough resources to invest in this field. So today, this is still not a common knowledge uh, among the financial institutions. And Caval actually us is one of the uh, early firms uh, investing in this direction. I think uh, it's, uh, it's going to be the very, very popular space. Based on some of the data we see in 2015, in the hedge fund world, actually, the AI-based trading firms are doing pretty well versus the rest of the hedge fund industry doing not that good. So I think in 2016 and 17, I think this space is going to get very crowded, just as you said. But still, I mean, this is not something everybody can do. It's not something like small firms or individual investors are able to built by themselves. So they need to gather the right team. They need to invest lots, lots of data and research resources on this topic. Yeah, for sure. And I guess, so it, it sounds as though the, the values in pulling in and making sense of new patterns that maybe other methods couldn't have without machine learning or without deep learning in, in some way, shape or form. I've heard rustles in the breeze from other people in the finance space that you know the bigger hedge funds are looking at roadway activity around factories of companies that they're interested in investing in to determine sort of volumes of materials coming in and out of them and finding ways to quantify that in addition to social media information yeah. and context. And it seems as though we're likely not to know exactly how it's being used, but that any edge that you can get that another firm won't have in terms of what could be a correlate that could allow you to predict the market up, down, or sideways, that's an edge for finance folks. For people in the trading space, that's an edge. And it sounds like deep learning and machine learning are one more way to grab an edge in, in a way that maybe you couldn't. Is that safe to say as kind of the dynamic of what's happening now with hedge funds adopting this? Yes, I think you're, you're right on this side. I think the machine learning is evolving uh, in the last 15 years. 
And the deep learning definitely is, is a new breakthrough technology and can help people to manage lots and lots of data source and come up new patterns to help us to make trading ideas and also make better investing decisions. I think that's also why you see so many big firms investing in this area. And also you see Apple just acquired a machine learning company in Seattle, Turi, right, in the, a couple of months ago. Yes. So not only Wall Street, but also the traditional big tech company moving to this space. Yeah. And obviously you've worked with the big tech companies, to the best of my knowledge, you're a senior engineer at Google, and in addition to working at financial firms out there on the East. And of course, those are, you know, in many regards, I think the world probably rightly looks to the Googles and the Facebooks and the Amazons of the world as kind of the farthest ahead in the applications of deep learning, machine learning, AI, and in industry. Taking it down to the level of kind of the, the consumer, you know, we're talking about machine learning, artificial intelligence, deep learning applications in trading. For consumers managing your funds, you know, if you don't run a hedge fund, which is, you know, most folks, myself included, yourself included, I assume, most folks now have some access to some of these intelligent technologies with regards to their own funds. Uh, you know, you have your your robo-advisors, if you will, where we don't have the overhead and, you know, the phone calls with with some guy who's taking a cut for his own salary, but maybe making uh, hyper-negligible contributions to, to the actual profitability of a, of a portfolio, especially for sort of an average yeah. person with maybe half a million bucks in the bank or, you know, 200 grand in the bank or something like that. So we have our robo-advisors. You folks, to the best of my knowledge, Alex, at Cavalter, are also working on allowing traders, anybody who's sort of actively managing a portfolio, to leverage AI tools. What are some of the things, some of the applications whether through your technology or otherwise, that are now available thanks to AI to regular folks, to consumers out on the street? I think for the regular investors like you and me, right? So we're facing like thousands of stocks to pick every day. It's a very, very like daunting task. So today by using like AI, we actually can do all this number crunching by look at all the news medias, by look at all the social medias, by look at all the blogs, and also look at all the real-time codes. And we could actually basically scan thousands and thousands of stocks in real-time and give you the best idea. So that's actually the technology is very good at it today. So in our company today, we built something called this Chi-School. So basically, we look at all the fundamentals, technicals, and also momentum for the traders. And we come back with a score to rank every single stock so you can leverage that. And also, besides this stock ranking, we also have something called this uh, chart pattern recognition because I know lots of traders love to use the classical patterns. But before, everybody actually look at the charts and do the subjective this determination which kind of chart this is. Is a double bottom? It's a double top, right? But today, we have a technology that can scan the markets to recognize all these patterns automatically and send the users alerts about certain patterns happens. So this can actually really help people and save people lots of time to uh, focus the things really matters to you as a trader. Ah, okay. So automating some of that notification stuff and, and what you're articulating, some of which I don't actively manage funds in a portfolio right now. The, the way I try to manage my funds is by investing in companies and then spending more time on working than other things. Maybe it's the wrong way to do it, but 
that's the pony I'm on. But there's a lot of folks who are actively managing a portfolio of some sort. You know, and there's people who have scores. You, know, you have your Zach's score, and then you have you know, you have the big guys, the Schwabs, and all them. And then you also have other kind of tack on software. Some of them are just kind of smaller, six or seven figure little technology businesses yeah. that also have alerts and whatnot. Talk us through, Alex what the differences are that machine learning or AI has made. What's sort of happening differently in the scoring, the notifying, the consumer trading world that wasn't happening before? Maybe it's automation. G- give us kind of a, a little bit of an example of what the technology is doing and then how that makes the user's experience a bit different. Yeah, actually, before the like stock trades or Twitter happens, all the financial models they look at, it's just like some fundamentals and technicals, right? We call these structured data sets, which is a very limited data sets, right? Once the trader stock trades comes up, now all the traders have so many news, real-time streaming news coming up. And to mine information from these unstructured data sets becomes very, very important. So we need new technology to handle this, which is actually something new to even to Wall Street. But with the new technology of deep learning, And AI, now today we are able to look at all these unstructured data sets and mine lots and lots of trading insights, which we could not do before. So that's actually very, very helpful for traders. As an individual trader, nobody can track thousands, thousands of stocks and and their real-time traders or news, right, today. But with technology, you can do this. And also by building some products can give you people real-time alerts. You don't need to track by yourself, right? I mean, all the product technology can do this for you. You, need, you just need to set up certain alerts and you can get that notification automatically. So this is very powerful and it can save you lots, lots of time. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, because someone who's looking for, tell me if I have the right example, Alex, someone who's trading Apple or someone who's trading... I don't know, you know, rocket fuel, you know, a uh, their AI sort of advertising company out here in the Bay Area, whatever they're trading, they they might want to get news alerts about, you know, behavior of the executives of that company or acquisitions related to that company or or whatever the case may be. I imagine that if all you have is sort of a keyword related search, in other words, like send me any headlines that involve these combinations of words that could be limiting. Are, are you referring to a bit of a deeper search that can kind of contextually pull the right sorts of information that someone's looking for so that they're not really hunting and digging as much and it's kind of displayed to them a little bit more intuitively? Is this a search application of machine learning that we're, we're referring to here? Actually, today, I think computer, we can do all this natural language processing, right? So which means we can have a computer actually understand the semantics and the meaning of people saying on Twitter or even on the news, right? Whether people are saying something positive or negative about a certain company. So that's something we call a sentiment analysis. Yes. Okay. So that um, is that is that part of the technology that you guys have there, Alex? Yes. We, okay, we are building okay. something called a sentiment score. So which means we are leveraging all the sentiments we collect from Twitter, news, blogs, and also, we're collecting some of the data from transactions. For example, we track all the insider trading data sets. So we know for which company, which CEO or CXO is buying or selling certain stocks. So by integrating this transaction data with the sentiments we collect from the traders, actually, we can come up with a better score. 
to know how people think about the certain stocks. And that's something that's a new data point that somebody might take into consideration that they couldn't have before the advent of of natural language processing, right? I mean, in, unless somebody manually went through every comment, every news piece, and found some objective way to try to score them, that would have been something impossible on platforms that aren't leveraging that kind of artificial intelligence. Exactly. So actually, this is really the power of technology, right? So computer can do very well of handling and addressing massive data sets. So that's what a computer is good at. But a human is actually is very good at is like on the emotion side, on the strategic side, right? So that's why when we build the AI technology, we try to make it as an assistant, not to replace humans, but more like assistant people to make better decisions. And that's actually the target of our company. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And, and I know you're doing that on an enterprise level as well as a consumer level. Yeah. So that was one great example. I'd love to get one other tangible example before we wrap up here, Alex. You used the example of, of natural language processing and sentiment analysis. You used the example, which was related, of collating news and events in a much more specific search-related way than just by keywords. For those of you who are listening in right now on the podcast to myself and Alex, you must be aware that Google is not looking at the words you're entering and finding the frequencies of those words in headlines and using that to determine what shows up in your Google search, it is a much more robust artificial intelligence problem that involves a lot of context. Any kind of search-related problem does, including news about companies, which I think is what, what Alex was referring to. What other bits of utility are now available to consumers through, through let's say, your platform here that maybe didn't exist on a Schwab you know, computer software screen, your normal dashboard five years ago. What's another domain where AI has allowed people to have one more little bit of data point? You know, sentiment analysis is one. What's what's another thing that's now possible? So the other thing is the chart pattern recognition. So on Wall Street, we just call this as a chartist, right? So all the firms hire people, look at all the charts every day and by I mean recognize some patterns. But today we have a technology we can actually scan every single stock and find all the tradable classical chart patterns. And you don't need to do it by using your human eyes. That will save you lots of time and that will help you to capture more trading opportunities. So that is one thing actually we are going to launch pretty soon. Uh, Another thing actually we are working on today is actually the intelligent asset allocator. So previously, people go to your Fidelity uh, account manager, ask them for ideas. But today, actually, we are trying to build a very intelligent asset allocator to help people to see which asset class I should be in today or tomorrow. And this strategic decision could be done by intelligent computers. Ah, so now would this depend on someone's goals, I imagine? And would they have to enter those objectives and things like that in order to, to sort of have a, a computer understand the context? You know, where should I put my money is a pretty broad question. Is it more like, hey, I'm going to retire in 15 years. Most of what I have is in bonds. How could I diversify, you know, with a little bit more chance for upside? You know, how would you get a computer to understand the context, Alex? So actually, that's what actually what all the robot advisors are doing today. So which we call as a robot advisor 1.0. So basically what they are doing is that we don't know where you should put your asset. So basically we just diversify your money across all the assets. 
But what we are trying to do differently from everybody else is that we try to tell you what are the right assets you should be in, not just by diversifying across other assets. So that's the big difference between what we are doing and everybody else is doing. So that's actually, we call that as a robot advisor 2.0. Got it. And now, would people, Alex, who are working with you, again, you'd mentioned robo-advisors right now, it's we're sort of just leveling the field and spreading risk, you know, real thin. And maybe you can kind of dial up or dial down, you know, your risk tolerance. I don't know. I don't use Betterment or any of those things, but maybe you can. And I think they're good businesses, by the way, very clearly. I mean, there's the millennial world is sort of dumping their funds there. Maybe one day I will. You're talking about a more calibrated approach, maybe per person. Would this be taking into account their goals? How, how would it know Billy versus Susan what do I put my funds in? You know, treasury bonds or this or that or this or that. How is that going to yeah. calibrate per an individual? Actually, there's a very interesting study I want to share with you, actually. It's all the robot advisory and, and also financial plan that are doing today is assuming you are stick to the strategy for the 30 or 35 years. But one of the studies shows most people change their strategy every three or five years. So which means the assumption for all this robot advisory or financial planner does not work with the users. So if you have this information, we have to build a new technology to take people's behavior into consideration and come up with a more adaptive asset allocator. And I imagine that's probably going to be a trend of the whole industry, right? I think the I'm not trying to down talk Wellfront by any means or any of these other folks, the betterments of the world, but I, I imagine that they too will want to have some degree of personal calibration because I think that, like you said, people do change and there does need to be some flexibility in bending there. It sounds like it would behoove companies to go beyond you know, what you're referring to as the 1.0 and have a more robust way to sort of div diversify that isn't just kind of spread it as far as you can. It sounds like that's something you're working on for the future. Is that kind of in development today, Alex? Yes, that's something we are trying to come up with is next generation robot advisor. So next generation robot advisor should not only just take in, in, into consideration your personal goal, but also take into consideration the investor's behavior, which means you change your strategy every three or five years. So in this case, we have to come up a plan or algorithms should be very adaptive to your behavior. But then at the same time, we need to take into consideration of the momentum of the different asset classes. So that's also very important. At the end of the day, I think the goal of everybody is not just diversify your risk. I think the end of the goal is to grow your assets. Oh, yes, that is grow the goal. your wealth yep. to meet your financial goals. Yep. I think that's the real goal. No doubt about it. I think that that's basically impossible to argue against. So yeah, I think you're right there. And, and for the <laughs> people who are tuned in right now, It'll be interesting to see how many of these sort of things that must change that Alex is referring to or, or is, seems to believe passionately actually manifest in the financial world. These are trends that do seem as though they will make a difference and will alter. And it's, it, it must be fun on your end, Alex, running the show at Kavout to help move this burgeoning sort of AI and finance field forward. So I appreciate you sharing your perspectives with us here at Tech Emergence. Thanks again, Alex. Okay, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks. 
that wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives and top researchers and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com, where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.